Welcome to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schermatti, Sportsnet 650, and we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can text in 650 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line, Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or also. Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Coming to you following a Blue Jays game where they just uh, put the boots to the Washington Nationals in Toronto to end that series after a a disappointing loss for the Jays. Yesterday, they finished the series uh, 2-1. They won the first game, won the last game. Winning today, 7-0. Chris Bassett, eight shutout innings. Right now, the Seattle Mariners are playing. Um, Oakland up 4-3 to in the bottom of the seventh, though Seattle did just get a leadoff double in said inning. So we'll see if they have anything cooking at T-Mobile Park. Dom, how are you? I haven't seen you in hours. Good. Good. I've recovered from our morning session of golf. Yeah. Thank you for following it up and not just leaving it at morning session. Uh, we played at Newlands. Good track out there in Langley. Yep. Um, but I would say it's my, not not that I live close to it. It's your home track. But it's my home track just because I golf there so frequently. Yeah. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit later because some notable things happened. Also, Dan Riccio joined us. Dan Riccio, back from Mexico. Back from Mexico, still on vacation. Yeah. You won't hear him on the airwaves until next week. But um, uh, he, he is hit back. an absolute wild chip shot on 18 at Newlands today for birdie. It was beautiful. Uh, it was beautiful. Broke 100 because of it. Uh, so if Riccio's out there listening, congrats, Reach. Uh, that was big. And, uh, yeah, nice shot, buddy. Yep. Uh, Elon, how are you? Doing good, guys. Enjoying these last few summer days. What's the UV today? Yeah. Probably not that high. Maybe that's five. The, wow, that's... you don't know off the top of your head? Well, honestly, every time Elon guesses, though, he's generally... I would say five. Correct. Oh, it's a four. Yeah. He knows his UV. It's cloudy. Yeah. Yeah. He should have been a meteorologist. You know what? Instead, uh, he's here. Elon looks at me today. He goes, summer's over when the tan fades. And I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, that's when summer ends. The trick is to never get too much of a tan then is that because you are pasty white i am pasty white that's uh that's how it goes 650 650 keep your text coming in on the dunbar lumber text line we'll get into some of those later but right now it is time for the five w's we do it every day who what it's written right in front of you when where why no i i remembered them i was just kind of waiting for the music that's not what we did to drop we did what, when, who, where, why. Yeah, it doesn't sound as right. You got to do it doesn't, in order. It doesn't sound as good. We'll start with what. Um, we were talking about baseball, talking about the Jays, talking about the Mariners. You wanted to talk about the LA Angels of Anaheim, who are uh, just a mess. So you wanted to ask, what are 
the LA Angels doing? Yeah, this one has me miffed. Um, I'm quite concerned Myth. because you went into the trade deadline with the possibility of being a seller. You had this golden chip in Shohei Otani that you could have sold for all the things. And you came to me earlier uh, today when we were talking about this. And you said, well, Dom, like, maybe they could keep Otani and, like, maybe he resigns if they're good enough. When in the history of the LA Angels have they ever proven that they were going to be good enough? They have had the GOAT in Mike Trout for I don't know how many years, and they have never done anything. And they went into the deadline and they were like, you know what? We're going to buy. Well, how's that working out for you? I'll tell you how it's working out for you. They're so far out of the playoff race that they put Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Randall Gritchett on waivers. Or at least that's what they're going to do. They have. Hmm. What? <laughs> what? You're just dumping these star players onto well, they the wire? They can't trade them. I understand that. This is like, I'll tell you what this is like. I am so bothered by this. This is like when you're playing fantasy football or any fantasy sport for that matter. And there's that one guy who's very clearly not in the playoffs. But it's like week nine and the playoffs start in week 11. Just as an example. Mm -hmm. And he's out of it. It's a keeper league. And he's dropping Justin and Jefferson. He's just, he's just dropping everybody to the wire. Yeah. And picking up guys, rookies. It ruins the league. Now, this isn't going to ruin Major League Baseball, but it's a little odd that Lucas Giolito, who by all accounts is a great pitcher, is now just on the waiver wire to the first bidder, to the guy who's on the on the totem pole on the waiver wire order. Which is like hockey. It's reverse order of the standings. Uh, yeah. So theoretically, it, like, these players might not even end up on playoff teams. I don't know. Like, Theoretically, but he could. They could. Sure. And and if he gets to a certain team, that's the difference between the team making a playoffs and not making the playoffs. What are you doing, Angels? They. This is such bad roster management. I will say, I do think the they Angels. They didn't get anything for them. They just literally dropped them to the wire. Yeah, but you could have traded these pieces. They weren't going to get anything for them anyway. You can't trade them now. I know you can't trade them now, but you didn't sell at the deadline. They actually brought some of these guys I in. I know. Yeah. But this is so frustrating. I understand your frustration. And I, and look, I will say when it comes to the waivers and stuff like that, I'm not a huge fan of them doing that. Though I do get it. You're trying to get rid of the salary. You're trying to do something and realistically making your team worse right now to try to improve your draft selection for next year which again in baseball it doesn't really in a vacuum yes it makes sense it doesn't matter too much but i completely defended them buying at the deadline because they were in much closer contention at the time now they're 12 games back it's completely unrealistic but the main reason for that is right after the deadline they just sucked so bad and they completely fell out of the playoff picture. And it made all the moves they made before the deadline look even worse in hindsight. I don't know what you can do if you're the Angels. And I will say, I don't think they should have. Like, 
I would have enjoyed them trading Otani just because I like trades like that and it's fun. But realistically, if you think you even have a chance at making the playoffs and therefore maybe have a chance at extending Shohei because he saw you made the playoffs, he saw you buy at the deadline, and he likes L.A., he wants to stay there, likes Mike Trout, whatever. Well, he's staying in L.A. Let's just, just play for the he's team. Just moving in blue. a little bit. Exactly. Um, I I Come completely on, defend them buying at the deadline. That's what I will say. And it, I just think they're the most disappointing franchise in sports. That's where I'm at with it. A hundred percent. You have the goat. Mike Trout is sitting there. You have the best player in baseball history just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And he's never even sniffed playoff baseball. Well, some of it, like the dude gets injured a lot. Some of that's on him. But the team around him sucks. Yes. I will agree with and that. And you know what it's the worst part is? I'll tell you, this is the worst part, and I'll, I'll wrap up my Could point Could you tell me this. what the worst part is? The worst part is that we had the World Baseball Classic, and these two absolute goats went up against each other in the last out of the last game. That was a moment. Remember that? That was awesome. Imagine that in the playoffs. Sure, but... Then Who they would, would want they would have to trade both. Who would want that? They would right? have to trade both for that to happen. The Angels are absolutely robbing baseball of pure gold, and it's a travesty. It's a crime. Uh, so that's what the Angels are doing. Next question: When will Sheldon Keefe's seat get hot in Toronto? So earlier today, Sheldon Keefe getting a four-year contract extension to stay in Toronto with the Maple Leafs, going to be their head coach conveniently lines up to an extent with Austin Matthews contract. Do you think how, like when do you think his seat is going to get hot? And I don't know. <laughs> okay. Good answer. I'm going to say, hold on. Well, I'm not done. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I had a point to make. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know because when you look at, at his tenure as Leafs head coach, Starting in 1920. Oh. 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were making a joke about him being there forever. I I mean, that hasn't been that long. Double entendre. It's kind of like, if this was any other market, are we we doing this? Are we really doing this? You know? Yeah. I honestly, when I saw the news today, especially when you bring in a new GM as well, I was surprised. Because... Not that I think he's a bad coach, but it just feels like they need a change in some way. Well, and they had one. Dubis is out. Yeah, and maybe that's it. But then why would like I? I don't feel like you need to give him a four-year contract that's extension. My, exactly. Um, but I will say the other the other side of this, and Vancouver Canucks fans are very uh, in tune with it, is that just because a guy gets a contract extension, just because a coach gets a contract extension doesn't mean he can't be fired even in the first year of that i tell you what if sheldon keith and the maple leafs don't get out of the first round again this year after doing it last year he's gone i think so too honestly i and like he just signed the deal like yeah. you're gonna pay him for three more seasons after this one i was going to say year one i think his seat is gonna get hot and year one i i think he especially if they have a they, they're going to be a playoff. Let's team. say they start bad, though. Well, it's not Vancouver, buddy. <laughs> Other teams can start bad, too. Um, 
But let's say they have a bad start, whatever. Especially to your point, if they if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, he's gone. Yeah. Because Tree Living is going to be like, well, what card do I have to play? I'm not trading anybody. But here's the thing if you're Brad Tree Living, right? How, like, what's the saying in hockey? Each GM gets one coach to fire. Mm-hmm. Why are you wasting that bullet on Sheldon Keefe right now? I mean, you could think Sheldon Keefe is your best option. I will like I have no issues with Sheldon Keith. I don't I can't it I just seems tell you. odd to extend him for four years. Sure. They haven't done anything. But again, coaches' contracts don't matter. You can fire them whenever. And MLSC is gonna be the one that would have to pay for it. So who so like if you're tree living and MLSC is okay with four years. Sheldon Keefe wants four years. You're like, yeah, okay, fine, four years, whatever. Yeah, that's a good way to do business. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, four whatever. years. Ah, four we, years. We'll right. fire you in two if we have to. I don't, like, that's... This isn't Vancouver. <laughs> but other places, like, this happens in a lot of places. Clearly. Uh, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber Text Line. Keep your texts coming in. Next question. Uh, we're going to move to football a little bit here. This one, so I saw an article on uh, ESPN. Very, like detailed graphically article um about (laughs) graphically article detailed graphically article anyway the question is a detailed graphic article yeah sure who can break calvin johnson's aka megatron's record of single season receiving yards and they listed nine guys who were like they had a bunch of criteria of like hey do you have a good quarterback do you stay healthy? Have you shown that you can do this before? Or at least have a season where you look like a guy that could theoretically push for 2,000 yeah. yards? By the way, what is Calvin Johnson's number? 81. What's 8 plus 1? 9. Good job, ESPN. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Uh, anyway. Why 9? You know? Like, why 9? Well, well, I think those go. were the only 9 that fit the criteria. But why that number? Because those those were the those were the only nine. What do you mean? Anyway, the nine they listed: uh, Devonte Adams, AJ Brown. Uh, oh, I, screw, it's, uh, I have it right. It here. is a frustrating article. Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, and Calvin Ridley. A frustrating, graphically designed article. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, anyway, were there any surprises in those nine? For Chris you? Olave. I will, I'll agree with that. And Ridley as well. Yes. That's what I, I was going to say. Those two, I'm like. I, I get the hype around Cal- Calvin Ridley. Yeah, but to have the best receiving season of all time. In your first year with a new team after missing a whole season. Yeah, but the angle here is that he's a really good wide receiver and he's got a really good quarterback. I think there's three guys on the list that really jump out that are able to do it this season. What do you think, Josh? I I would say there's probably four who I could four. see legitimately doing it. Justin Jefferson is the main one. That's yeah. my guy. Jamar Chase. Yes. Tyree Kill. No. And Cooper Cup. No. I agree with everybody except for Tyreek. Maybe with a full season with Tua, he could maybe get to that the that Rams kind of era. Good enough for Cooper Cup to break. That. It's just that he's done it before. So if he had a full season with Stafford, it's possible for I, him to get two thousand. I know, but that's so like that's questionable too, right? Sure, like but this is health. in any of these scenarios, it has to be like the ideal situation. Well, Justin Jefferson is a freak, so definitely him. Stefan Diggs has um, 
Allen throwing to him, so definitely him. And Joe Burrow is is the next one. You know, he's throwing to Jamar Chase, so I could definitely see those three. Those are the three you're picking. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're all in the same boat with Chris Olave and, and Calvin Ridley. Then the the two like guys who I guess could do it, but I just wouldn't bet on it would AJ be Brown. AJ Brown, Devontae Adams. AJ Brown just because like Devontae Smith is really good at football Who's too. Throwing it, Devontae Adams. Uh, Jimmy G. Jimmy G. And that's that's why I was gonna say I don't think Devontae Adams can do it. His best season, I think he had just about fifteen fifty. Mm-hmm. And that's with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Man, yeah. how irrelevant is Jimmy G? Well, we'll see this year. Um, but if I had to pick one, look, I'm going to pick Justin Jefferson. If I had to pick number two, take your fan hat off. What would well, you if pick? I had to pick one, yeah, he's the best receiver he's in the, the best league. receiver in the league. If I had to pick one that wasn't Jefferson, I'd pick Jamar Chase. Me too. Just, I think Joe Burrow is going to have an insane year. Tyreek Hill said this on his own podcast. I will break 2000 yards next year, bro. Yeah. But here's the problem. You need to see it first. Tua needs to stay healthy. Or, yeah, sorry. We need to see Tua stay healthy first. That's, what I mean. that's the problem here. Um, but if he does, theoretically, again, this is in ideal scenarios. I could see Tyreek Hill. If Tua stayed healthy, which, again, is a big ask, excuse, I could I could see him do it. Excuse my ignorance, but was it, uh, was it Stafford that threw all those yards to Calvin Johnson? Yes. Yes. And, he, and Cooper Cup nearly did it again. 18, uh, 18 yards off. shy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Stafford, if he likes a guy, he likes a guy. Yeah. And so, th- like, if he stays healthy, especially because I don't think the Rams are. They also have zero other receivers. Yeah. They're not going to be good. Higby. Yeah. They're going to be down a lot this year. I could see him just getting yards because they have to get back in game somehow. And he is the only guy they have. Uh, no no and- love for Cam Akers. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, Cam Akers. Next question is, where will Jonathan Taylor get traded? He's not. You don't think so? Because, no. look, yesterday was the theoretical deadline where essentially the Colts had to trade him by 1 o'clock, I think it was. Yeah, and it didn't happen. Or he got put on the PUP list. Which he did. Which he's he did. Missing four games. So he misses four games. Yeah. That doesn't mean he can't get traded, though. This is my issue with Miami being the number one suitor for them. Would be a great fit. They got to pay Tua. They got to pay Christian Wilkins and Jalen Phillips coming up. And then they would also have to pay Jonathan Taylor. How would they get all this money? Well, they were about to. And they were restructuring some things, yeah. right? That's, that's they what literally was had on. an offer on the table. The thing the thing about the NFL that's weird is because... Well, we there's can, a lot of things. Yeah. We can just be like, oh, how is this going to work with all this money? And then they, they just make it work. If you have an owner that wants to spend, they can spend a bajillion dollars. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like NFL caps. Did you guys see the potential offer that they had out there? It was a first rounder, no? Uh, some were including Jalen Waddle, which a lot of people scoffed at. No, Jalen yeah. Waddle's a good receiver. Yeah, exactly. Why would you? If you're nobody's trading a player of value of like really good value for a running back right now. I don't think in my mind. No, that's what I'm saying. Jalen yeah. Waddle's too much to give up. Oh yeah, for yeah. that. Was it Jalen in sure. a first? Or just Jalen? Jalen and a pick for for sure. Yeah, regardless. That's too much. Way too much. Why wouldn't Indy take that if that was even... No, they offered that. Oh, Indy Indy offered offered that and Dolphins laughed in their face. Said, here's (laughs) a first-round pick. Um, Indy has total... Like, this this is the thing with running backs in the NFL right now. And I think it's a bit hammered home the last few days. It's kind of like 
Indy doesn't want to pay Jonathan Taylor like he's worth and his value to the team, but they want to trade him like he's worth and the value he's worth to the team. You know? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand. Oh, for sure. So they, they won't pay him because they don't want to pay a running back. Right. But they also think he's so valuable that they have to get this huge return for him. This is backwards. Yeah. But, like, it's just the nature of running backs. It's dumb. It's tough. He's only played two seasons. He's so young. Yeah. yeah. First round, they get a quarterback. You need a guy like Jonathan Taylor to help out Richardson. I don't understand. Zach Moss season. Yeah. I would I would keep him, too. I would just pay him. But I, I guess... I guess the Colts have different ideas. I also just don't know if he wants to play there anymore no, after what Ursay said yeah, as yeah. well. So, And yeah. now he's out for the first four weeks no matter what, which is yeah. tough for Richardson. Yeah, maybe he pulls a Le'Veon Bell. I drafted uh, Jonathan Taylor in the one fantasy draft I've done so far. That's rough. It my hurt. Con- my condolences. What but round was it? Got him there? in the fourth round. Oh, okay. So it was like I, I kind of knew I was taking a risk, but – I thought the pro. I thought he would definitely be playing. That's a week risk, one, yeah, and I was. Uh, that's a risk. I was wrong. Anyway, next question. We'll end with this one. Well, no, we can do more later on. Well, sure. Because there's five. We've only done three. We've done four. Oh, we have. Okay. <laughs> okay. My math. Is we'll wrong. end with this one. My bad. Why is Dom so bad at counting and golf? Because maybe that's why I'm bad at golf. I'm <laughs> yeah. bad at counting my yeah. shots. You're out. actually shooting like mid nineties, but you're just giving yourself an extra shot per hole. Is that hole. what it is? Probably. Um, I wish I knew the answer. I mean, I technically do know the answer. So, um, so to get into uh, what happened today, we went golfing, like we mentioned earlier today. Dom shot 106. 106. I shot about where I usually shoot. I shot 89. Good for Second you. time breaking 90 in my last three rounds, I think. I'm I'm dialed in right Not now. Not to brag. I've got a family reunion golf tournament coming up. I'm hoping I it all that's my peak of the year. Yeah. You know? Um But the round ended. I have played ten rounds this year. Yeah. And I have not improved. Well. In my score. Yeah, it's weird because I've golfed with you a lot this yeah. year. And you have improved. It's just your score hasn't improved. Which is weird. You're finding new ways to suck <laughs> to be bad at golf it's like oh my drive is slicing fix that oh my short irons are really bad didn't haven't fixed that yet the only thing good about my game that's consistent is putting yep well yep yeah um but dan riccio today again we mentioned it he had on the last hole he had, he to, was, he had to birdie to break on heading into it he was like oh man last year i birdied this hole and yeah. it's like a really long par four it's a yeah. it's a difficult one to birdie and he has a good drive, has a good approach shot, but doesn't get it on the green. It's yeah. right beside a bunker. He then chips it over the bunker, has a couple little perfect bounces, and then rolls just slowly into the hole yeah. for a birdie. And it was beautiful. It was maybe the most he was wonderful so shot I've ever seen. I've never seen Dan Riccio that happy in his life. And I was at his wedding. He was like a little boy out there. His eyes lit up. Yes, it was wonderful. Guys, guys, did you see? <laughs> guys, he, he didn't say. I that. just broke a hundred. He didn't say it like that, but it was a great shot. Shout out Dan Riccio. He was that enthused. Shot. Yes, uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Tremati. Oh, Those... by the way, before you go to break, uh, good luck to our uh, colleague Ben Bisran, uh playing in the Whistler Open today. 
today? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is today. Yeah, good luck to – and congratulations on winning your club championship as well. Way to go, Ben. You're better at golf than all, all of, of us. us combined. Well, combined would probably be worse than one of us. Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schmatty. Uh, on Sportsnet 650, coming up on the other side, Zach Lang is going to join us. We're going to talk some Jays as uh, they continue to fight for a playoff spot. That's coming up. It is Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schmatty, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Keep your text coming in on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get into some more of those later on in the show, but right now let's welcome in our next guest, it is Zach Lang, news director and senior columnist for Oilers Nation, the Jays Nation, and the Nation Network. Thanks for taking the time, Zach. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks. I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me on today. No worries. Thanks for taking the time. Um, so today's game, is it frustrating to see the Jays go out there and like they, they have a wonderful game, 7 nothing, pitching's great, hitting's great, when you know that they, they can have games like this but more often than not, they're having games like yesterday. Yeah, it's frustrating to say the least. I know myself, I, I turned the game off last night after uh, the Ruiz home, home run to make it 5-1. I was beyond frustrated with what we were seeing last night. And then all of a sudden here in the first inning, you know, this afternoon, you take a look what happens. David Schneider gets a walk, Vladdy gets on base, get a little double steal and a couple of runs are scored. And then the rest is... Uh, you know, kind of history. Chris Bassett, a great performance by him. Um, yeah, it's frustrating because what we saw today feels more like what the Toronto Blue Jays should be. Instead, we've seen a lot more of yesterday's performance and those those poor performances against Cleveland as well. Uh, Chris Bassett is somewhat of an enigma on the fantasy baseball side of things as someone who owns him. Um, I When I look at his stats... He's a guy that is top 10 in the AL and hits aloud. And yet, in real life baseball, he just seems to be a steady Eddie for the Toronto Blue Jays. How would you describe Chris Bassett uh, and his value for the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, I think he's been incredibly valuable to the team this year. I mean, he's been worth every penny as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mentioned was mentioned on the broadcast today, but you know, with going eight scoreless innings today, he now leads all major league pitchers in uh, who have pitched six or more scoreless innings this year. And he's done it eight times. Uh, I think he's got something like 17 quality starts on the year this year. I mean, the guy goes deep in games, and yeah, you know, he'll allow the contact and, and some of that sort of stuff, but his ability to work his way out of jams and, and limit hard contact is what I think um, has been so exceptional about him. You know, we got to remember back to earlier in the season, too, when he was going through some real rough patches. And, um, you know, at that time he was calling his own pitches and it seemed like he was just too preoccupied with that sort of stuff. And since he passed it over to the catchers and, and let them call the pitches, he, he's been just tremendous. And I, we saw that performance again today. Chris Bassett's a huge part of this team and he's going to be uh, down the stretch one of the season. 
Uh, the Jays start a nine-game run against teams that are nowhere near the playoffs in the Rockies, Athletics, and Royals. In your opinion, coming out of this nine games, what would you expect from a winning record perspective, and uh, what would be disappointing if they could not achieve it? Well, you have to go well above 500 here over this stretch, right? I mean, you know, this this stretch of 15 games that they're in uh, against teams that are below 500 is, is one where the Jays really need to make up ground, right? Um, you know, right now they're three and three. Uh, I, I took a look at some of the numbers, and I felt that they would need to kind of go 10 and five on this stretch here uh, to really stay in the wild card race. Looking back the last four or five years, the final wild card team has had a fifth, six, uh, 563 win-loss percentage. So for the Jays, they're going to need to try and figure out a way uh, to really win a lot of these games here. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, Kansas City's got a guy named Cole Reagans who's been absolutely electric here the last couple of weeks. This course field, course field slate will be interesting to see over the weekend too because we know that the, the Rockies at times can put up runs when they want to. And same thing with the Oakland Athletics. I mean, I'm sitting here watching this game right now uh, they're down 5-4 uh, to the Seattle Mariners in the top of the ninth. They're a team that can put up some runs when they kind of need to as well, too. They've got some some strong bats on their team this year. So Toronto, they, they really can go into this, this stretch taking anybody lately. And I think that's almost what maybe happened a little bit here, um, you know, against Washington and against Cleveland as well. Uh, so no Bo Bichette or Matt Chapman for, for a few games here as well. How How – difficult is that going to be for this team to to overcome because we've seen david schneider emerge and uh, now that he's been in the lineup a bit more he's he's still been playing amazing but uh aside from him like who do you think needs to step up for the jays to still be able to be competitive over this this next week or two well to be honest it's everybody it has to be a collective effort here i mean you know david schneider as great as he's been here we can't uh, as Jays fans, nor can the Jays just in general expect uh, this to be something that continues through the entirety of the rest of the season. Now, of course, it's entirely possible that it does. He could continue producing at, at such a great clip here, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's got to be a collective effort. Look at a guy like Alejandro Kirk, right? Um, you know, he had he went three for three at the plate today with two doubles, drove in a number of runs, was a big reason why the Jays were able to win this game. You know. Kirk was a silver slugger last year. He was an all-star. He was a he was a huge part of this offense. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, I've said this before on the show, you know, Jays fans need to think of him as just a really high-end elite player and maybe not one of the best players in the entire world, um, you know, as some people have kind of projected him to be. He, he still had a really good season. He's still been really productive at the plate for the Jays. Um, you know, it'd be frustrating to watch sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you wish that he had a little bit more discipline at the plate? Absolutely. Um, but he's a guy who's incredibly valuable to this team as well. So it, it's got to be a real collective effort here, I feel, um, as the Jays kind of go into the stretch run of the season. I'm Vladdy. So we, we know there's been the, the – he's kind of been underwhelming at the plate. But what surprised me this year is he, he had the gold glove at first, and this year is, is – numbers defensively have just been so poor like do you think that's been true like is that reflected in the numbers the eye test or is that is that something that maybe the numbers aren't reflecting how good he has been defensively I mean I think there's 
there, there's a couple ways to kind of go about it, right? I mean, I, I still look at him as a very valuable player uh, on this team, right? You even just look at his, his basic offensive numbers, and he's still producing for the Blue Jays, which is exactly what the Blue Jays need from him. Now, you know, again, he might not be at that incredible level that he once was, but he's still got a 779 OPS and a 114 OPS plus. You know, you'd wish those numbers are higher for a guy like him, but again, he's still just 24 years old. Like, he's still he's still so young in the grand scheme of things. I think he's been, you know, as, as good as he needs to be this season. Um, I, I hope that, you know, he can hit another level here uh, as the calendar turns over to September and, and go on a real heater like he's done in the past. So uh, I think he's an incredible, an incredibly valuable player to this team. I just, I, I don't know how the Jays organization feels about him. Like, I mean, I know there's been some kind of rumblings and, suggestions and chatter from you know some of the media out east of oh maybe the Jays need to look to trade him uh, in the offseason I think that would be foolish I mean you know you don't want to ever sell low so to speak on a guy uh, at any point let alone somebody who we've seen in the past be so um, tremendous as a baseball player so uh, I think patience is the thing we kind of need with Guerrero and you know let's hope that this is just kind of a down year for him and a lot of these other players as well. Uh, Zach Lang, news director and senior columnist for the Jays Nation, joining us here on Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 650. Uh, patience is one thing, Zach, and I know there's a lot of baseball left to be played, but if the Toronto Blue Jays do, in fact, miss the playoffs, who do you think is the scapegoat for this season? Uh, the hitting coaches. I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy to point the finger at them. Um, a lot of people have been clamoring about John Schneider this, John Schneider that. I think he's been doing a fine job as a manager. Again, like this is a guy who is in his first full season, um, you know, as a skipper. The hitting coaches, that's where the issue really seems to lie. Again, guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk, these are guys that shouldn't be regressing at this point in their careers. They're the guys that should be taking a step forward in their careers, hitting better, hitting more consistent, hitting for better average, hitting for power more. Uh, some of these sorts of things. I think it's a pretty easy fix this, this offseason for the Jays, um, you know, when it comes to the coaching staff and replacing some of those guys. Pete Walker, like, this guy's not going anywhere. The Jays have one of the best pitching staffs in the entire big leagues. I think getting rid of Schneider is a mistake at this point because he is still a young manager, and this is somebody that's really come up with a lot of the, the Jays stars too, the, the, the Guerrero Juniors, the, the Bo Bichettes, all those sorts of guys. So, yeah, I think, you know, because you look at it and where's the issues been for the Jays this year? They've struggled to score runs. And when you have a, a roster on paper, don't like the Toronto Blue Jays do, you know, that in my eyes is completely unacceptable. You always want to improve your team. Uh, and just hearing what you just said, uh, even if they did make the playoffs, would you still expect those changes in the offseason? Yeah, I think so. I would. I really would. I mean, unless they go all of a sudden on an incredible run in September and go deep in the playoffs and the bats heat up and, you know, things seem to seriously change, um, you know, maybe then. But at the end of the day, the large sample size that we have of this regular season already of what, almost, you know, 130-ish games here now, um, the large sample size to me says that, you know, those are some changes that need to be made uh, this offseason, no matter what happens uh, over the next few months. So if they did end up going on a run here and do make the playoffs, what's your confidence level at if uh, 
in a wild card series against a team like it's hard to know who's going to fall out if the Jays did make their way into it though it would likely it seems to be one of Texas or Houston what would your confidence level be at if the Jays had to go up against one of those two teams um moderate tepid at best I'm not sure like I think the the real strength that the Jays have right now is in their pitching staff. I think their pitching staff can keep them in games no matter who they're going up against. And I think we've seen that happen a lot this season. Um, again, what it comes down to is the bats. Can they, can the offense provide the offense that they need in these sort of playoff situations? Well, if you look back last year, we did see that happen, right? We look at the collapse against Seattle um, there was no reason the Jays should have lost that game, right? And they didn't have any issue putting up runs in the playoffs. Now, of course, we, as I mentioned, we've seen some regression of some of these bats for the Blue Jays. But I, I would have some tepid confidence, and that's largely because I think the, the pitching staff can keep the Jays in any matchup right now. What did you make of the LA Angels placing uh, Giolito and all those guys oh. on, uh, on waivers, by the way? It, I was outraged. It's it's insane. I I was I was shocked. I know we have a we have a little channel with all of our uh, Blue Jays Nation writers, and we were all kind of losing our collective minds as it was happening because we've never really seen something like this happen in baseball, right? Now, of course, we used to have the second trade deadline and stuff like that. So, you know, on one hand, you know, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that the Angels are doing this. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. But then, in the other sense of the term, you know, it kind of makes sense for the Angels. They'll be able to bring up some young players right now for the rest of the season. They're obviously trying to tank now at this point in the year, right? Um, you know, they might be able to get, get a better draft pick back um, when Shohei Otani, you know, signs somewhere else. Uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, so to speak, right? But I, I do think that it's pretty pretty ridiculous, to say the least. Were you on Team Sell Otani at the deadline? Or did you understand oh, yeah. what they were doing? Well, I... I I was a little bit of both, honestly. Like, I, I was surprised that they didn't trade him because I don't necessarily feel that his chance of re-signing in L.A. is all that high, given what they've kind of been for the last number of years, right? I think the smart move from the Angels' perspective would have been to just sell at the deadline and, and trade Otani and get an absolute ransom of, of assets back. Now, they're essentially going to walk in, like, let him walk into free agency and maybe get back like a second or third round compensatory pick. That's nowhere near what they could have gotten in the trade market um, at the deadline this year. So I do understand the Angels' perspective of like, hey, you know what? They did just go on a nice little run. Mike Trout might be able to come back here pretty soon. Let's try and pick up some pieces. But the same thing is, too, it's not even like the assets that they traded for were all that great of assets. Lucas Giolito was a fourth, fifth man rotation uh, piece, um, you know, Lopez wasn't that great of a pitcher. Gr uh, Randall Grichik is Randall Grichik, you know, so it, it was kind of some interesting stuff, but I, I don't know. I think years down the line, we'll look back uh, after we see the Angels be one of the worst teams in baseball for the next 10 years and just further question why they never traded them for the, uh, the ransom they could have. Uh, as of yesterday, the waiver order had the closest playoff teams as the Miami Marlins at 14 and the Cincinnati Reds at 15. If either of those teams picked up any one of those players, do you think it moves the needle at all for either the Reds or the Marlins? Like, does a Giolito change things for either the Marlins or the Reds? No, I don't think so, because it didn't change anything for the Angels, right? I mean, Giolito's first game 
uh, was against the Blue Jays, and we saw the Blue Jays absolutely shell him in that game and chase him after four or five innings. Uh, I don't think any of these pieces that anybody would be picking up on the wire are going to be impact pieces in any sense of the term. They're depth guys. That's what they are. That's what they'd be to the Blue Jays if any of them kind of fell down to Toronto. Um, but I, I don't think any of them are really going to go and, and have major impacts anywhere. And, and now just watch, you know, we'll, we'll see something like that exactly happen. Hey, Zach, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the, the next month or so of the regular season and uh, hopefully some playoff games as well. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that is Zach Lang, news director and senior columnist for Oilers Nation, the Jays Nation, and the Nation Network. You can follow him on Twitter at ZJLang, L-A-I-N-G. You have to think some of those players on better teams with better pieces around them would actually like, actually perform a little bit better. Well, one of the names the Jays were linked to ahead of the deadline was Randall Gritchick because yeah. they need a bat. He's a bat. Didn't he play for them as well? He used to. Yeah. There was some there was a rift, I be, I believe, between uh, nothing him like and, rifts. Between him and Marcus Stroman, if I recall. The Stro Show. The Stro Show. But I mean, the Stro Show had a lot of a uh, a lot of beef with a lot of guys. That's that's his thing. Um you know what the Jays need right now though? A month like the Seattle Mariners just had. Yeah. They have set the record because they did just end up beating the uh, Oakland Athletics five four. They have set the record for most wins in a month in franchise history. Oh, with wow. 21 wins. 21 wins. You're up, Jays. That's like insane. Yeah. That's crazy. If the Jays could do that, you know what? Everything would be – people would not be panicking nearly as much. It's kind of shocking how – like Vancouver is a bandwagon town. Like we all know it. Sure. It's, it's kind of what we do here. Um, it's kind of shocking to me that the Mariners don't get more play here than they do. Like The I'm, Jays are so mediocre right now in the playoff race in terms of like playoff standing. Yeah. And they're just, they're just kind of hovering around that playoff line. And yet they get more play in Vancouver than the Mariners do, who just, as you said, 21 wins in the month of August. I will say, like, people also have their favorite teams, you know? Like, no, if I know. Like, if you're a Jays fan, you're still going to be more interested in the Jays, even if the Mariners are doing well. I know that, but what's weird to me is that if the Jays do well, we will see a ton of Jays stuff around People coming Vancouver. out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. Who don't usually wear Jays gear, but because they're good, or because they're in town, in town, in air quotes, in Seattle, mm-hmm. you see a ton of them. But the Mariners who are actually good right now and could win their division for the first time since 01, I think. Uh, I believe. Pretty sure. And it's like crickets in on the streets of Vancouver. I never see Mariners gear. It's so weird to me. I do think there's a chance. Like, the thing about the Mariners This team is, is good. It's fun to watch Mariners baseball. Yes, I, I completely agree. The thing I will say about the Mariners, though, is that you need to have – you need to do this for – Maybe even two or three more years at least before people are like, "Okay, I'm like kids will be like, hey, I'm a Mariners fan. Yeah. And then you grow it like it it takes a while and and maybe it doesn't happen because, again, like the Jays are just so easy to watch on TV and it's easy to access. I will say I've been seeing a lot more Mariners games because they're in the playoff race. Right. That's probably why. Yeah. And, And like that's that's definitely the main reason. 
but I just it's it's hard to say exactly why there aren't more Mariners fans in the city, but I do think we'll start to see an uptick for sure. You would hope so. Um, Man, the Yankees have been crap, eh? Yeah. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott will. They're on the TV for those. Who, yeah. He got distracted. So, um, yeah, Yankees have been bad. I believe they're calling up a couple of their notable prospects, though. So that'll get all the people riled yeah. up in, in the Bronx. White flag on the season. Um, which is always nice. The The Yankees are like the Maple Leafs of baseball. Yeah. Where once they're out of the playoffs, you're just pumped. Yankees actually win stuff, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, And have have recently won yeah. stuff, too. Not only to have they have the, the storied history or whatever, but they were also uh, – they're also just always in the playoffs every year, and it's annoying. Yeah. But slowly it's changing. Uh, keep your text coming in, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Oh, you're doing the Riccio thing. Yeah, I, honestly, it gets stuck in my head a little bit. It's like you hear something so often that it's it just, just – You pick up on the mannerism. Yeah, and I don't mean to. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you at Ladder on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladder Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, Mike in the Valley from the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, it's impossible impossible to find the Mariners on TV. The Jays are on every night. Eyeballs bring attention. That's probably the main thing. And look, like we know, like we work for a sports night. Yeah, we we know that the Jays are always on. Yeah, Rogers TV. owns the team. I will say, even as a guy, like I'm a Jays fan, I would love to see more Mariners games on TV. That's what MLB at bat is for. And I I will say again because they're in a playoff race right now. We are seeing more Mariners games on TV. And I don't know, like, I don't know the ins and outs of the rights and all of that and how many games they can play, whatever. It's just when a team is good and local, you would like to see that team more. Yeah. And so I would love to see more Mariners games on TV, but we also carry a bunch of them right here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, we are the home of the Mariners and the Blue Jays. By the way, and the Vancouver Canadians. There's a weird dichotomy in Seattle. And Vancouver, like like between the two cities, because Vancouverites cheer for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. There's so many Seahawks fans up here, and yet we hate the Kraken. And Jays fans from Vancouver who also cheer for the Seahawks hate the Mariners. It's like it's yeah. like you like one team from a city, but you hate the other teams from that same city. It's I mean, weird. It's weird. Sounders, same thing. It might be different with, because like Seahawks are really the only Seattle team that people here cheer for, or that are like the main team yeah. of a sport here, right? I wonder if that would be different if there was a Canadian NFL team. Maybe I have no idea. Because yeah. I will say NFL is so it's so easy to be a fan of, and this is kind of what we're talking about with the Mariners and Blue Jays and being on tv and all that is it's so easy to be a fan of like i'm a minnesota vikings fan you're a new york jets fan it's so easy to be like elon's a buffalo bills fan it's so easy to be a fan of a team that isn't local because you can watch every game very easily right and you can follow your team you only got to watch one game a week it's really simple 
I I don't know if there would ever be a situation like we see where just everyone in Vancouver is a fan of one team, like the Jays, or and then there's like a subsection of Mariners fans. I don't think we would ever see that in the NFL where it's like everyone's a fan of insert Toronto team and then there's a few Seahawks fans as well and then yeah. random other it's teams. It's too late now. It is too late. But if Vancouver got a team, which will never oh, happen, yeah. we would all like we would, I would ditch the Seahawks. I would abandon so ships so hard. I'd be uh, like the Jets who? Yeah. I'd be I would hope that insert Vancouver team would be in the AFC so that I could still cheer for like a like a Super Bowl between the Vikings and Vancouver, but regardless, yeah, I would I would definitely uh, switch allegiances for sure. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schmatty on the other side. Uh, we'll have a lot more. Maybe get into some football talk as well. So keep your texts coming in six fifty six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. It is Sportsnet today on Sportsnet six fifty. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schmatty, Sportsnet 650, coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Google reviews. Find your perfect perfect fit. I'm struggling to get through this at Kintech.net. Did you say Rugal Gugus? Well, I don't remember what I said, okay. but I corrected it. It is Google reviews. Nice. And you Good can, job, Kintech. You can find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Yeah. I've been to a Kintech before. It's nice. I have not, but I've I've thought about it. My feet, I've got good feet. Same. So I, I don't generally have I any don't need issues. Orthotics. But if I did need orthotics, I would be going there. They have good running shoes. Hmm. Maybe I got to look into that. Um, I do need I do need some new shoes for the gym. Oh. So maybe that's where I got to go. What do you use, by the way? What do Not I that use? anyone cares, but what do you use when you go to the gym? Just running shoes? Just running shoes. You don't have lifting shoes? No. Like some people have like the Nike. Uh, Metcons. Yeah. Or yeah. like just Converse. Yeah. I. It's not for me. When I see people working out in Jordan 1s, I'm kind of like, why? There's so many other options. I know it's flat, like bottomed. Yeah. But like. I will say when I'm doing a squat or whatever, because you're supposed to have like flat, flat bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just take my shoes off. You're one of those people? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just for squats, though. When I see someone Anything take else, their I'm... stinky shoes off at the gym, text the 650-650 if you agree with me or you disagree with me. But, like, I look over and I'm just like, really, dude? Like, Honestly, feet stink. It, it helps me lift more. My feet don't stink. That's what you think. Well, at least not to, like, I know when my feet stink. Generally, I'm not taking my shoes off if my feet stink. At and so I, w- I won't do it at the gym if I know that it's going to be stink. Uh Kintec must be thrilled with this. Get your gym shoes at Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Um, I just have the uh, like Nike lifting shoes. Like they're just like socks almost. Hmm. Sounds like a little. I I don't even. I can't even picture what they would look like though. I'm sure. I'll, I'll show you them. in the break. I'm sure I've seen them. Yeah. Uh, keep your texts coming in six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber text line. We were getting some on the. Uh, we were talking a bit about like a Canadian NFL team and would people switch allegiances if you did see a team let's say it is in toronto like we see with baseball where the blue jays and there's the mariners and yeah most people here are blue jays fans 
uh, 650-650. This one, Benny from the Mox. Who cares about the Mariners? Go Jays. And this one, no, I hate the Seahawks. Two, go Bills. Sorry, so, Benny from the Mox? Benny from the Mox is both like a... Like Cole Mox? Maybe. I would assume it's Cole Mox. Is uh, both a Jays fan and a Bills fan. Well, we uh, did have that experiment in Toronto where the Bills would play a regular right? season game. Yeah. Well, the arena is terrible for football. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of Bills fans in Toronto just across the border. Easy yeah. to get down to a game. I will say that's probably the one spot in Canada where it's like the Bills have a hold on Toronto, you yeah. know? Whereas here, the Seahawks have a hold on Vancouver. I don't know if they yes, have a hold they do. on Vancouver. Yes, they do. I don't know if they it's do. It's the same. I don't think it's the yes, same. Yes, it's the, It's just because you're a Vikings fan. No. like uh, like. And in Winnipeg, they cheer for the Vikings. I think, I think it's so much more drastic in Toronto than it is – no, that's just because population. Maybe. Come on, Maybe man. it's about population. It's the same. Maybe it's about, like, when I t- tune in to watch highlights, it's like, oh, the Bills are first because that's Toronto's team, you know? The Seahawks literally have a 12 North campaign. Like, they're up here all the time. Oh, I'm aware. I just don't think it's as effective as it is in Toronto for, with the Seahawks. And I'm pretty I sure. I do think there are a lot of Seahawks fans I'm pretty here, sure. Though. You know, they just did that uh, NFL, like, uh, map thing where it's like this team owns this part of the world in terms of fan bases, and the Seahawks have, like, Germany and Vancouver. Yeah, but that's like a that's a made-up thing by the NFL. Maybe, but they clearly own Vancouver. Like... No, because they clearly own Vancouver. So do the Seahawks own Germany, too? Uh, from a fan base perspective, I'm assuming there's some sort of <laughs> analytics that they dip into. They Man, wouldn't just they I would just pull maybe. names out of a hat and be like, "Seahawks, you're you're big in Germany." <laughs> like, maybe. no, that's not how it works. I don't know. Um, this one, uh, Dane. It's not the same in Vancouver as it is in Toronto. Not the same. Yes, it is, Dave. I I yes, don't is. think it is. I think it, I think it's more s- diversified here than no. it is in Toronto. No. Well, it's uh, we can't test this because i can't pull every nfl fan in the city i will say i do think it's still over 50 percent seahawks fans yes. in vancouver but i would say it's like over 70 percent bills fans in toronto uh, i guess that's that's the argument I'm it depends where you're living in ontario because if you're in windsor you might be a detroit lions yeah fan. exactly yeah i guess that's fair but the exactly GTA, most of them are bills fans. gta that, that's you, what Elon. i'm talking about i'm just ta- i'm not talking about um, like Ontario as a whole, just the lower mainland versus the GTA. But it's hard to it's hard to know because you can't poll everybody. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Keep your texts coming in. Uh, in the break, you were getting really riled up about. Uh, I don't know about riled up. Really riled up about the Drake concert. Oh, the, you're going here. Okay. Well, we'll go to the other thing after. It all kind of ties in. Um, yeah, but the Drake concert last night you didn't go i didn't go but the whole i mean this everyone knows the story by now drake cancels his show on tuesday reschedules it for sorry monday reschedules it for tonight tonight uh because of a video board malfunction um that sucks especially for the people who are waiting since the early hours of the morning in line because there is a like a general admission section yeah it's the the floor, floor right so so you want to be as be close front, to the stage. Yeah, you have to run in. I had a I had a friend that I went to school with. She got there at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. Monday morning. I believe City News interviewed her. I, I just felt so bad. Yeah. It's like you're sitting there for over 12 hours. 
It's not good. No. Uh, I went to Neil Young in high school. We sat there all day just to be in the front row. How old are you? Uh, t- 32 next this week, actually. Oh. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, but, yeah, it's it's tough. Like, you're standing all day. You get into the arena, and then you're standing for the whole show. It's tough. It is difficult. And now imagine you're standing there all day, and right before you're supposed to go in, the show gets canceled. And so apparently it wasn't even it wasn't even the Canucks board is what you're saying? So originally that was the claim. I don't know. It's hard to know. Uh, it's kind of confusing as to what's going on because there was like a leaked picture of the video board that supposedly broke. Um, a piece of it broke. Um, but when you look at the pictures from the Drake concert last night, it was it matched up with Drake's video board, not the Canucks video board. And so Drake has a video board he brings yeah. on tour. Yeah, part of his stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it looks it, like that was the problem, not the Canucks video board. At least from what we can deduce. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. There was a video board problem, though. And yeah. I, I still think it was probably the newly installed Jumbotron at Rogers Arena, just working out kinks or whatever. And this was like the first big event that would have had it there. Yeah, but they didn't use it. I don't think they used it. By I the believe way, they attached the I believe they attached Drake's oh, video board okay. to that. So oh, maybe okay. that's what the steel what beam issues. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We we got to the bottom of it. By the way, if you were at the the show last night, 650, 650, please let us know. Text us. Uh how was it and what was it like? Uh was the video board on? What's the the video Canucks board one. On? I re- honestly I like I want to go to the concert tonight and I'm not going to because tickets are crazy expensive. Yeah, resale um, at five hundred dollars just to sit in the last row of the upper bowl right now. But like, I I'm into Drake. I wouldn't say he's my favorite artist. I am into Drake. Travis Scott's there as well. Travis Scott is there. as I well. I thought last night was uh, it was a one off thing. No, I think he'll be back. He tonight. said uh, Drake on stage. I saw a video last night. Said uh, only you guys. Only you guys. I tonight. think he meant Vancouver. But I we'll see. I think so too. I agree with Elon. I think he'll be there tonight. The surprise is gone now, though. Everyone knows he's. So you could get well. Well, everybody yeah. knew he was going to be there last night. Anyway. Yeah, there was there was spottings around the city. By the way, um, he ended up at Fortune Sound Club last night in Chinatown. Did a little private show for the people in attendance there. What would you rather? I'm going to ask both of you. Would what you rather would you be rather? in a club and have Drake show up and perform a like, let's say, four songs, but you're right there. He's like two feet from you, or would you rather be at the Drake concert, 90 minutes set, two hour set, Travis Scott's there, but you're you paid like 300 bucks to sit in the upper bowl? Intimate setting for sure. Yeah, right. I would Same. definitely. Yeah. And, and it's only four songs though. That's the thing. Well, it's a better story. Yeah, you could be like, I was at Fortune last night and he showed up. Yeah, the thing I think, the thing I will say is I I feel like people know that. Drake or whoever is here is going to go to a club after the show. They always go to a club after yeah, the show. He was, at Pierre's, in, he was yeah. in Yale Town. So it's like realistically, you bide your time, you try to pick a spot. Whoever it is is probably gonna show up. And a lot of times, like Fortune or whatever will promote this and be like, yeah. hey, after party. After party. Yeah. I don't know if that was promoted last night, but I will I agree with Elon. That's what uh, I would pick as well. I would pick that too. Uh we bring this up. Uh, because Penn Station in New York City, which is uh, the main train station underneath Madison Square Garden. What a transition here. Uh, as the New York Times put it, it's a perpetual mess. And if you've spoken to anyone 
who is from New York City, they will tell you the same thing. Penn Station is an abomination of a train station. Now, the problem is you can't renovate the train station because it's located under Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world. So now, what are they talking about? They're going to try and, not not officially, but the banter is that they're going to try and relocate Madison Square Garden. Tear it down and rebuild it somewhere else. How do you... I have no idea. Do you, like, is it a tear down? Well, what do you think? Because you can't tear down. You can't put it on wheels. It's New York City. (laughs) It's not going to fit through the streets of New York. billions of dollars of renovations that were made just recently in the past decade exactly yeah honestly like i the thing is i don't know what the they're planning to spend seven billion dollars to renovate penn station and the only way they can do it is if they move the stadium so i i will say what it says here is some new york city officials believe madison square garden should relocate to to accommodate this yes the point is the same yes it it like, How do you move an arena of that size? And, like, look, let's say, for example, in Edmonton, they were like, hey, we got a train station underneath Rexall Place. We got to build a new arena. People would be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Rogers Place. This is cool. Yeah. Tear down Rexall. But in New York, it's like, this is Madison Square Garden. It's the most what famous are you arena do? Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think you can do anything to it. I don't, I don't think it will. Something ro- has to be done, though, because it's, it's – I'm Listen, sure they're going to figure out a way to they must. Like, renovate this train station without... Because realistically, I like what I was thinking, is it cheaper just to move the train station? No. And I have no idea how that works. They're prepared I don't know, to spend $7 billion to renovate the thing. How much do you think easier, it would cost to move it? What's easier to move? That's another question. A train question. station or, or a an arena? It's and so crazy. Doesn't Madison Square Garden have like multiple floors as well? Or am I... Well, yes, there's the ground level, and then there's the upper bowl. And... Or sorry, I just thought there was, like, multiple things within the... I've never been there. No, it's just the arena. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else. Yeah. Um, well, Rogers Arena has, like... Uh, what do you call it on top of it now? They have, like, a apartments that apartments are attached to it. Yeah. I, I thought they had, like, another entertainment-type thing within the arena, but I guess I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's, like, a, like a theater... Oh, okay. But it's attached to it. It's not on top of it. I see. I understand. I understand. Um, that being said, if uh, this ever happened in Vancouver and you had to move Rogers Arena, I have no idea where you would move it to because it's in such a good spot. Move it to Surrey. Well, Doug, Doug McCallum's no, Stadium. <laughs> Doug McCallum's no longer the mayor, so he can't do that. Um, I The thing I've always said about Rogers Arena is that because like thing, the thing that has come up lately has been, oh, like it's getting old. You might have to build a new stadium. The location is just so good. You're right by the Sky Train, right by the water. Yeah, perfect location. You can't move it. I mean, if you could move MSG, you could move Rogers Arena. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, I don't. Is MSG like good location within New York? Is I there would, theoretically, I would so, other than being built on top of a train station, I yeah, would that, so. that's the one issue. Yeah, um, is there the, like there might theoretically be a better place in New York? New York has a lot more options. Yeah, at least for like places you could put a stadium. 
Well, yes and no, because real estate, and there's not a lot of space there. Yeah. But in terms of people being able to get there, they have a lot more options. Vancouver, I don't think, has as many options. The only place I could think of in Vancouver that you that would fit better than where it currently is located there on the uh, Concord Pacific grounds uh, on False Creek is uh, do what the San Francisco uh, Warriors did, the Golden State Warriors uh, in San Francisco, hmm. and build the stadium over the water uh, next to Waterfront Station. Oh, so, so you just want it more convenient for us. Well, for everybody. Because <laughs> you take the sea bus. Right. You Or you could take the Canada line, or you take any of the expo, like the the So you're talking like on lines. this side of Canby Street Bridge. Uh, I'm talking about Cole Harbor. Oh, I see. I'm talking I see. about waterfront. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I like that. As long as it's near a SkyTrain. Yeah. I That's the think... only place I could see Rogers Arena being in a better place than it is now. Yeah. So realistically, in terms of moving it, there's no place you like would move aside from waterfront. Waterfront. Not really. And the only thing, like the only reason I would ever want to move Rogers Arena would be to get bigger concourses. Yes. Because other than that, like I have no issue, especially if they renovate everything within the stadium. No issue with the stadium. I have no issue with the yeah. It's it's a stadium. Um and. Hopefully, it's going to continue to improve as yeah. time goes on. Maybe eventually it could have the, the cachet of a Madison Square Garden. If Probably it's old won't. enough. If that's, you get, on, that's a reach. If you get old enough. But come on. like six. Obviously, it will never be New York City. So, it won't have the same. like People won't be dying to yeah. perform there or whatever. But 60, 70 years down the road, if this stadium is still up, yeah. which is a stretch. Who knows if it will be. You have an eighty-year-old stadium. You're saying that wouldn't have some cachet. It must. Like, it it has to. Especially like, if you like renovate it properly. The thing that is crazy about all of this is that this is even a talking point because they're thinking about moving MSG. What's not going to happen? It's not. Gonna they're going to figure something out where they can rebuild it under. What would be the? Like, I'm just picturing politicians sitting in a boardroom being like, "Why don't we move the stadium?" This one, and they all look at each. Sorry, and they all look at each other like that's a good idea. <laughs> what if we just moved it? Galaxy brain here. Yeah, um, it's and, crazy. And James Dole and the Knicks and Rangers owners, one of the most outspoken yeah. owners in sports, yeah. and he's specifically said, "I'm not moving." Yeah, yeah. Like it just it would not make sense. He it even threatened at one point to stop the sales of alcohol in the stadium, to like threaten the government. Yeah. Oh. James he wields Dolan. his power, man. Yeah. Um, this one from Dave. The ice surface at MSG is on the seventh floor. I think that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Someone I like someone went to a game and I was talking to them and they were like, Oh, it's on the seventh floor. So I just assumed in my in my head that there are like multiple levels of entertainment stuff going on at MSG. I really want like New York is at the top of my bucket list for places I want to go. Sports, yeah. Big not time. not even just as like a sports fan, just in general. Though I would want to go to, like, I want to go to Yankee Stadium. I'd love to go to a Mets game. And obviously MSG as well would be fun. Though I don't know if I'm going to be able to take the train there now. Because they'll be renovating it. There's trains everywhere in New York, buddy. I'm Are you sure? sure? Yeah. Well, well, good subway system. They should uh, They should just get rid of this one then, if it's causing so many issues. You know there's a difference I'm, between train stations and I'm subway to, stations. I'm trying to work around it. Uh, you really are. There's a difference between train stations and subway stations? Yes. 
What's the difference? Well, a train station generally takes you from city to city. Oh, I see what you mean. Subway station is just like the metro. Okay. I, I get it. Yeah. Is there a stadium that would be completely stadium, baseball, like a ballpark, soccer pitch stadium, I guess, that would be completely impossible to move just based on the history of it? Yankee Stadium. But they already they just did that. They yeah, moved it across next the street. Door, yeah, yeah. I think you can. Well, Old Trafford. That's what I was gonna say. Like you're more in tune Camp with New, soccer yeah. and stuff like that. Like, are those if those are like cathedrals? If Manchester United was like, hey, we're moving Old Trafford across the city. I can't do that because city. Well, Man as city close owns, to the <laughs> as owns cl- that side of the city. As close to the other side of the city as we can. No, you can't do that. Um, but that's such a European thing. Yeah. And then, like, you couldn't – even Shea Stadium in, in in Queens, they just moved it next door. You're not moving from that location. Probably Wrigley. It's been in the same spot. Yeah. Right? It's a national landmark. Yeah. Yeah. Wrigley would be that – yeah, that would be impossible. Fenway. That's what I was going to say. Fenway was the one that came to Fenway. mind for me. Have you seen all the stuff they're planning on doing around yeah. Fenway? That's cool. I like when, like, if you can add modern – twists and stuff like that to old stadiums like Fenway. Uh, 650-650. Keep your texts coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this one, Peter and Cloverdale. They were able to keep the roof and rebuild Key Arena in Seattle. Can't they do something similar? You can't move train line, train lines. That's like Maybe you can keep the bones of the st- – but again, like it's New York. You can't, like, you can't tear the stadium down. You can. But you're not going to. It would take forever. It would take forever. And, like, the thing is, I just feel like there's no – where would the Rangers and Knicks play? I guess the Knicks could play – Barclays. Yeah. Guys, come on. That's not happening. We're just getting temporary solutions here. They're staying in New York. For a year. For a year, you could be like, hey, we got to do this. Got no other options. Well, they're not playing at Prudential, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Would the do you think the Knicks and Rangers would rather play in Jersey or at Barclays? Barclays. Barclays for sure. Yeah. But maybe like the Knicks might be like, hey, we'll just play in Jersey. Well, no, the Knicks would rather play in Barclays. Yeah. But that's that's the home of another basketball team. I guess so. Where's the But Rangers? how okay, but how many teams uh, play in the same arena? Like the Clippers and Lakers play in the same arena, the Giants and Jets play in the same arena. I think that's the end of the list. Well, uh, is it? It might be. Yeah, I believe right. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chicago, Chicago. Who? Who? The Bulls and the Blackhawks? Oh no, no, oh. no! There are there's like cross sports teams. We're talking about like, like bas- same two basketball sport. teams. Uh, I think it's only only those two, if I recall. Yeah. Um, six fifty, six fifty. Keep your texts coming in. This one, the race course in Wrexham. Can you move that? No, can't. Can't, can't move, move that. that that's what I, I feel like a lot of it is going to be soccer. Soccer, where it's just like, this has been here for a thousand years. Yeah. You're going to move actually, it? but yeah. How dare you? Can we move BC Place into the valley and develop a training facility for the Canucks, Jody and Cloverdale? Well, if Doug McCallum was still mayor, he would. He would. I've always said, and I, I will die on this hill. Please don't. I'm not, I'm not going to die on any hill. If you could um, somehow find a way to create like a 25 30,000 seat 
open air stadium in Surrey or Langley for the Whitecaps and Lions to play, that would be ideal. Yeah. Because that's where most of their fan bases are. I think a lot more families and stuff would be going to games. It would be great. The issue that would come up is like, what are you going to do with BC Place? You got this 50,000 seat stadium that would just be empty. International events and uh, big concerts. concerts. Or, or hear me out, renovate it, make it baseball friendly. There Let's are, get crazy. Just to put a bow on this, there are cities in the States that don't have major sports teams, but they have massive stadiums. St. Louis. Sure. They have a massive stadium. No I feel like it's it. it's more feasible in American cities, though, especially in American cities where they have space. Yeah. Vancouver is just so low on space that it's, it's, it's so difficult. Uh, 650-650, keep your text coming in. On the other side, we're going to get into some Canada basketball talk into the next group stage in a very convoluted tournament. Phase two. Phase two of the FIBA World Cup. We'll talk to Alex Adams, host of... Host of the Behind the Play podcast on the other side about everything going on with Canada basketball. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schermatti on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Tremati, Sportsnet 650. Uh, I'm proud of you. You've been saying my name correctly. I appreciate it. Yeah, the other day I just got really in my head about it. Shramity. Shramity. And now I'm not going to be able to say it properly again. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Here we go again. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Beautus Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh, and we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Alex Adams, host of the Behind the Play podcast. Going to talk Canada basketball. He is uh, covering the tournament, FIBA World Cup. Where? where? I'm not going to say it. You say it. Where are they? In Jakarta. Jakarta. Indonesia. That's where they're at. I also believe uh, I believe the games are also in the Philippines as well. Yes, but I, I think all of the, the games. Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia. I believe all of the games Canada has played have been in Jakarta. Jakarta. I got you before the show. I was like, it's soft J, Josh. And I, I and even then like Googled looked it, it up. <laughs> and I was like, I know I've heard Jakarta. The locals call it Jakarta. I know I've heard Jakarta. Uh, so in a couple minutes, he'll join us. To talk about their tournament so far, what's been the key to their success, what they have to do in the next phase of the tournament. I just learned something. What did you just learn? Uh, Your points carry over from the first round. Oh, do they? So Canada is currently sitting top of Group L. So they're Spain, Brazil, and Latvia. They're set up pretty well then. Uh, They should be. Uh, they have currently tied with Spain at six points. Brazil and Latvia have five. I think it would be a huge disappointment if they don't make if it. If they now don't make to it. the knockout rounds, especially because Latvia, like you beat Latvia. Yeah, but second times it's going to be harder. They know yes, what to but expect. Canada, like Canada, should not have issues with countries like Latvia well, and they basketball. Have, they have Kristaps Porzingis. Okay, he's good. Who does Canada have? Shea, Shea, Dor, Kristaps isn't Brooks. playing in the tournament. No. 
Okay. I could have sworn. So here we go. Oh, my bad. So now, now who does Lafayette yeah. have? Nobody. Thanks for throwing me under the bus. <laughs> yeah. There should be no issues for Canada in tournaments like these. And it's been something we've been saying for years. And it's just, we eventually need to get to a point where it's not even a question that they're going to make it through tournaments like this. And you don't have to, like, obviously, especially when the states are involved, you don't have to win these tournaments. But you should be consistently threatening for a medal. You know who they have? Darius Burton's. Okay. Or Davis Burton's, sorry. Oh, I'm shaking in my boots. Never mind. He's Lafayette's going to come back and they're going to. They're going to dominate. Davis Burton's is good. Canada's going to have no issues. No, they shouldn't. If and, they do, it's And look, a, it's when they problem. play Spain, sure, that might be a bit of a hurdle. It's okay. What? I give them permission to lose that game. No. No. I, that is such a lo- – no, 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 don't do that. Hey, That's a loser's I don't, mentality. You I don't need to win every to, game, Josh. Yes. You need to win every what game. What you just said is so Canadian. You lose to Spain, I'm like, ah, oh, man. But okay, it's Spain. Way to walk it back. But Brazil and Latvia, you better dominate those games. You better hope so. Um, and again, into the into the Olympics next year, if you make it, you gotta make it. Yeah. Um, so they need to finish top of their top. I think top two of each group goes to the Olympics. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I need to clarify that. Yeah. If they make it through, they're going to the Olympics. I will say the format of all of this, I feel like we've tried to get clarification a bunch of times, and it's just been... It's a little convoluted. Yeah, so yeah. we're getting texts in from Danny and Brookswood. feel like Canada playing Latvia might not actually happen. Maybe you're right, but I know they're in the... No, they're, it'll happen. They're in the same group in this phase again. They play Brazil on... Uh, oh, yeah, the schedule's on out. first On the 1st of September, and then they play... Uh, Spain on the 3rd of September. So they don't play Latvia. They don't play wow. Latvia. So, yeah. Danny and Brookswood, you are right. So you play the two the two teams that you haven't played yet, essentially. That makes sense. Okay. Again, like, we probably sound... Yeah, like un- idiots. Yeah. Which, we probably sound times, dumb right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Um, but this tournament is just like... It's, it's a, convoluted. It's a weird format. Probably could be executed better. So they need to beat Brazil. They need to beat Brazil. And again, if on you, on Friday, if you can beat Spain, go ahead and do it. Well, so here's the thing: if they go ahead, well, so if Spain beats Latvia, which they should, and Canada beats Brazil, your fate may already be be decided by the time you get around to Sunday's game against Spain, and then you're just playing. Could for just be a formality. Maybe we'll see. Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schmatty. Let's bring in our next guest. It is Alex Adams, host of the Behind the Play podcast and is in Jakarta covering the FIBA World Cup right now. Thanks for taking the time, Alex. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Uh, thanks for taking the time again. Um, what has been – so Canada, three games into this tournament, dominating. What has been the key to their success so far? Um, I mean, obviously having seven NBA players helps a lot. Um, and especially a guy of uh, the caliber of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's been dominant, especially it seems as though every third quarter in a big game, he steps up his level and just goes off. So that, that really helps. But no, this team's really come together. Um, and it's, it's been interesting because 
the worry and just even watching them play in the, the friendlies, they weren't that consistent and they weren't blowing teams out, especially good teams like France or even Latvia. But it seems as though they've just turned that switch. Um, Jordi Fernandez uh, is, is playing his starters a lot of minutes. And that seems to work, and it seems to make sense that the more you play NBA players against, you know, non-NBA players, uh, non-NBA players, the, the talent rises to the top. So they've been really, really phenomenal so far. But Shea has been obviously the catalyst of that. Kelly Olynyk, obviously BC guy, has been just phenomenal. He's the captain of this team, and really feels as though he's the heart and, and soul because um, it seems as though every time Canada has a sluggish first quarter and you're thinking oh here we go again he always steps up and, and makes big plays and scores a little bit he can pass as well um rj barrett's been pretty good after the france game the, his next two games have been really good he's been shooting the three well which is always a question for him dylan brooks um i don't know what's changed for him compared to the nba but he's all bought in he's averaging about two steals a game so far um he's shooting over 40% from three. Um, he's not taking any bad shots, um, which was really his calling card in Houston. So um, there's, there's more, there's a laundry list of guys who they've all been playing well. And it's funny. I, I asked them, well, what, what can you guys improve upon? And they say, well, no, I don't really know, but we'll, we'll try to get better. You can get better every day. So um, they'll, they'll definitely be tested more and more as this tournament goes on and we'll see how they respond. But so far, they've responded in the exact way you wanted to. Uh, catch all of Canada's games live on Sportsnet TV as they take on Spain and Brazil. Uh, what can we realistically expect from a results perspective against uh, Brazil and Spain from Canada? Um, I mean, uh, I believe they're 15 to 18 point uh, and favorites against Brazil. So um, that's maybe what you should expect, but you never know. And it, it can be one game and Brazil can get hot from three or, or something, but they're, they're heavy favorites against Brazil. And the win against them would almost assuredly punch their ticket to the quarterfinals because they have the tiebreak against Latvia and would have the tiebreak against Brazil um, and very good point differential. Um, probably um, if there were to be a, a tie um, in this second group. And, and for people that don't know, or just because it's a bit complicated. Canada is now in this uh, new group called Group L, which is essentially a crossover group. And um, basically how it works is Canada has already played Latvia, and those results carry over, um, as well as uh, they will now be playing the, the winners of, of Group G here in Jakarta, which are uh, Spain and Brazil. And um, Canada and Latvia will both play Spain and Brazil once. Um, and basically the, the best, uh, um, the, the final scores and, and just the tallies, the win totals carry over from the first round and top two teams uh, make it to the quarterfinals. So, um, and the tie breaks are individual. And if there's a three-way tie break, it is um, the best point differential uh, among the, 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 the teams um, in the games they've played. So because Canada has been blowing out Latvia and um, probably will beat Brazil, they'll be in a very, very good place to, have essentially punched their ticket to the next round. Spain, on the other hand, really, really good FIBA team. I actually sat down with Sergio Scariolo for an interview uh, at Raptors Republic, and um, 
who and he was a longtime assistant under Nick Nurse, won the championship there with, with the Raptors, and uh, he talked about how, uh, like obviously, Spain's been is number one in the world, um, but they don't have the. He said they don't have the same talent that they they've had in past years, um, but they know each other. They play beautiful basketball. They run off um, screens. They know each other. They um, they're just really collected and, and they've played together and grown up together. So um, they have a lot of chemistry. They're really a, a really smart team. But if Canada plays well, they should be able to beat them. But that will be a pretty big challenge for them and probably their biggest so far of the tournament. Uh, assuming Canada comes first in their group, they will be on the opposite side of the bracket as the U.S., who we can only assume will win their group. But if they do, in fact, finish second uh, as and Spain finish first, uh, we could see a Canada-USA matchup as soon as the semifinal. Uh, assuming they get there, how, mm-hmm. how do you think they, they match up against the States? Um, if you had asked me this question before the tournament, I would have felt, well, they obviously can hang with them, and, and you never know. The way they've been playing has just made me feel as though that is a pretty even matchup. Um, I believe there's no one on the U.S. that's better than, than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, the U.S. has played pretty, like, has played much lesser competition so far. Um, they've done all right, um, but I wouldn't say they've really blown teams out of the, out of the building the way that they maybe typically do. Um, and their talent is not as superior as maybe at an Olympic Games where they'd have more guys like Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. Um, obviously, they have Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, um, and Austin Reeves, who's been a, a fan favorite in Manila. But um, Canada on paper, if you look at their top seven, they're all their NBA guys and put against the the USA's top NBA guys, um, or just their lineup. It's not a huge uh, gap in talent, and and they haven't been playing as well as maybe Canada has so far. So I really think they have a really good chance. I don't know if I'd put them as favorites, but I think they're pretty close to even odds in, in a game like that. Um, and uh, I, I really like Canada's chances, which is pretty crazy to, to say, honestly. It would be an amazing thing if Canada were to to beat them. How important has the the chemistry been for this team? Because we're talking about like when you talk about the European countries, you mentioned with Spain that the chemistry, like these guys have been playing together for years, and that's that's part of the reason why they're so good in these tournaments. Has has that been different for Canada this year? Like, are these guys starting to gain chemistry year to year? Or is this just the the year where it's finally kind of clicking? Um. What's interesting is a lot of these guys have grown up together in different ways, right? Kelly Olynyk and Dwight Powell have been part of this program for forever, and you see that with their two-man game all the time. RJ and Shea grew up together. They went to the Olympic qualifying, actually, in the Philippines in 2016. They didn't play. Um, obviously, Nikhil and Alexander Walker and Shea are cousins. Um, Dylan Brooks grew up with a lot of the guys as well, um, same as Lou Dort. So, a lot of these guys really know each other from coming to camp all the time. Um, and, and just what I think is, is interesting because of that, um, they seem to really be able to, to be pretty upfront with one another. And because they're not in an NBA setting, um, it seems as though that really helps in terms of their buy-in. 
and Jordy Fernandez has really got this team to, to have defined roles. And maybe in the NBA with these guys, they think, well, you know, if I'm like, for example, Dylan Brooks, who's not taking many shots, um, he's been super efficient, unlike the NBA. And maybe that's because, you know what, I'm not trying to get an $80 million contract. I'm just trying to win for my country. These guys aren't getting paid to be here, essentially. Um, it, it's because they love it, right? And they want to succeed for their country. And I think that really helps people buy in. And you know you're, and you know each other and, and one another for a long time. And there's maybe a bit less of kind of BS. You can tell them, hey, I, I need you to do this, or we need to be better. And um, there's less of maybe a pushback, and it's more of a collective unit in terms of, those, when they're in those tough situations, um, and it's less of me and less of us, and more of us. Um, so um, I really think it's, it's, it's a very different Canadian team, and um, they've only been together for now, what are we, essentially now a month, and uh, they've just got way better on the court, and maybe that's because of how well they've known each other off the court for a couple of years now. And looking ahead to next year, assuming they do qualify for the 2024 Olympics, if you add someone like Jamal Murray and uh, Andrew Wiggins to this roster, is this a team that you think could maybe medal in Paris next year? I think the team that they have right now could medal in Paris next year. Um, But if they added uh, players like uh, Jamal Murray and and Andrew Wiggins, um, their talent would go up pretty significantly um but it might change just the roles of guys on the team right Shea has pretty much carte blanche to to play the way he does in okc which i asked him about and he said it's a pretty similar role i'm pretty sure if jamal murray would be here it'd be different so i don't the, the fit might not be as clean and maybe the hierarchy might not be as simple but the talent would just be um, astronomically or maybe not astronomically higher but it'd be significantly higher um, and uh, even if they brought this roster there, they'd, they'd be uh, medal contenders. If they had Jamal Murray um, and Andrew Wiggins, you really think, man, they could beat the United States um, and maybe are even favorites in, sometimes against the U.S. The US. So, um, yeah, that'd, that'd be really exciting to see that backcourt. Um, probably one of the best backcourts any team's ever brought to an Olympics or FIBA tournament, including the United States. In, in the past 25 years. So um, that'd be pretty dynamic and pretty tough for any team to, to beat. Um, and uh, I, my question would be, who takes the, takes the shot at the end of the game? Uh, but uh, that's maybe a question for another day. But yeah, they'd, they'd be significant medal favorites and, and one of the favorites in the tournament. Hey, Alex, really appreciate you uh, hey. taking the time and enjoy the rest of the tournament. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. No worries. That is Alex Adams, host of Behind the Play podcast and on the ground in Jakarta covering the FIBA World Cup. Or as the locals call it, Jakarta. Well, no one does that. Uh, Please forgive me in the text inbox. I am now aware that they don't play Latvia anymore. Yeah, 650-650. Thank you for calling us out. I was like, I saw, this is the thing that confused me about this whole format. Is there in a group with Latvia? Yes. You get put in a group. And my brain just goes to like, yeah, well, you, you play, play, you play everybody teams. in the group. And that's on me. Look, I should have I should have double-checked. That's on us. Let's both take credit for this. We should have double-checked. Anyway. Sorry to the 650. We have very smart five. listeners. Yes, you guys are right. Please forgive us. Thank you. And 
again, I will say, there are so many better ways to handle a tournament like this. Right. In terms of format. Just pick one and roll with that. The only format that confuses me more than the FIBA World Cup format is the Memorial Cup. Memorial Cup is easy. It's just like a round robin and then you play the team. Oh, didn't they change it recently? Why? Why the round robin? Why? It's dumb. What's the dumb Memorial about? Cup format is dumb. What's dumb about it? You have four what, teams. What changes would you make? Oh, I could, I could do a whole segment on this, buddy. Let's roll. Let's ride. We got four you have minutes. Four teams, you can do four one of on. which is the host. They could be absolutely dog, and they generally there. they generally aren't, aren't though because right. they know they're hosting. But they could be. Yes, theoretically sure. they could be. Yep. Um, and then you don't play for like a month, month and a half if you fall out of your respective playoffs while the other teams are playing in their league championship uh, playoffs. So that whole thing weirds me out. But I'm going to paint you a picture. March Madness, but with major junior hockey. I think you've mentioned this before. Single elimination bracket style hockey to decide the Memorial Cup winner. Take, take the two teams in each league's championship game, mm-hmm. plus the host, Plus a wild card. Eight teams. Boom. Right there. Sure. Bracket stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. You wouldn't spread it out to like 16? No, because then there's too many teams just sitting on their, their butts waiting for... I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could figure out a way to do it like the uh, NCAA does it, where you have multiple game, like multiple ice surfaces, yeah. I guess. And you can have things going on at the same yeah. time. Um, that is... Th- you have such potential with the Memorial Cup to turn it into something way bigger than it is right now. I do. I will say, like, I do think they have to make some sort of change to it. I agree. Because for me, unless the Vancouver Giants are in it, I am tuned out. It's a out. hard draw. I am tuned out. But when the Vancouver Giants are in it, I'm interested. Yeah. And if you change the format, you can maybe figure out a way to get more of the teams that have a hardcore following into the Memorial Cup. And yeah, I'd I'd be all for it. Also, single elimination hockey. Where in the world do you see that? And maybe it's for a reason because hockey fans are like, "Well, a team could just win a game. Do something different, man." That's the point of the uh, March Madness. Yeah, though, is that like you want the upsets? Yeah. And I think it'd be equally as interesting in hockey. You could do, you could do, uh, eight team bracket. Single elimination, and then the final, the third round, the final, is like a best of three. Yeah, that's fine. I do think you could probably expand it to 16. 16. You're never getting to, what is? 32. Maths. 32. Is that what the March Madness is? 64. 64. Yeah. Yeah, you're never getting to 64. You're never getting to 32. No. Um. But six team for sure. Single elimination hockey. Single elimination. And Morning I think till night. More teams would be, um, like it, you'd have the same effect that happens in baseball, where a team like the Angels might be like, "Hey, we could we could trade for guys and maybe make yeah. the playoffs." You get the same effect in um, the CHL as well. Imagine like you're sitting there. It's springtime. You're filling out a, a, a Memorial Cup bracket with your buddies. Bracket pools. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. It's writing itself. And it might it might take a while to catch on. CHL, hire me. I'll do your job for you. <laughs> do you think this is someone's job? Just to figure out the format? Someone runs the Memorial Cup. Yes, sure. I'm sure they do. Yes, that's true. Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schermatti. 
Coming up, it is uh, the People Show. Satyar Shah, Bik Nazar, I believe Scott Gomez yeah. is going to be Former on the Former Sir show. Eagle is back with the team. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe I'm 90% sure he will be on the show. Yeah, they, they're just, yeah. Okay, he's on. cool. He's on the show. He's on the show. Uh, that's coming up. They are going to be on for the next couple hours. We'll be back tomorrow from 12 to 2 following the fan checkdown um, NFL show. Yeah. We'll be following that tomorrow. So it'll be Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schermatty back with you tomorrow. Thank you for all your texts on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Thank you to Elon Chark producing in studio. Lena Satagian back at home. This has been Sportsnet Today. We have been Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schermatty on Sportsnet 650.